welcome to Leaving Erinsborough, the Neighbours Rewatch podcast from the very beginning. I'm Sarah Gibbs. I'm a comedy writer, author of Drama Queen, One Autistic Woman and A Life of Unhelpful Labels and Lifelong Neighbours Obsessive. And I'm Rachel Krieger. I'm a comedian and writer and also a long-term Neighbours fan and currently recovering from a little adventure with COVID. And I watch all this episodes, episodes, I don't really know how to say it in a sensible way, but I watched it with (laughs) COVID and I just said to Sarah, it felt like one massive fever dream. So it could be possible that things I say never happened at all or I might have forgotten things that did happen. It's going to be a very exciting journey for both of us. I mean, the whole 1985 show does feel a bit like a fever dream, doesn't it? <laughs> Just the whole thing, the whole atmosphere. Um, when when someone shows up with a clown mask, uh, waving a fake gun, then then you c- cannot be blamed for wondering whether or not you're hallucinating. Yeah, I mean, that's fair, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> um, a quick warning before we start. Um, I am a sweary, sweary bad girl. Um, and uh, I may be sweary, sweary. Um, throughout this podcast so apologies in advance if I offend anyone's delicate sensibilities um also we're on social media at leaving errands um on twitter um really really wish I'd thought more about that but I didn't so there we go <laughs> and the leaving errands and the leaving errandsborough facebook group uh which you can find by searching leaving errandsborough and it is private so you can say whatever you like in there and none of your friends will know just how enthusiastic you are about very old episodes of Neighbours. (laughs) And uh, I think that's probably everything. I usually forget something. Um, Some of this may be triggering these discussions. They're discussions about things that people do in soaps, which are usually extreme and problematic. So um, bear that in mind if you're listening. And uh, on with the show. I think the most offensive thing that happens at the moment in all these episodes um, and it's been raised actually in the Facebook group is about the pacing. It's like how mm-hmm. quickly things move, um, including people getting over heartache or illness or whatever. I, I appreciate it's a kind of fairy tale, isn't it? A soap opera world. But um, yeah. there's a lot of that in this in this little cluster. And how slowly things move when like it's it, it's it's sort of like things that should move quickly move slowly and things that should move slowly move quickly that's very deep actually yeah it's quite meta and also true in life um what even is time <laughs> i bet you didn't think that's what you were going to get when you tuned into this <laughs> yeah just a slightly stoned version of this podcast what is time it's Stephen all Hawking's perspective hot take on neighbors would be fascinating <laughs> i imagine it would that's a thesis i would pay to read um so we are discussing the fortnight before some very, very big events. I don't know why I thought they happened this fortnight, but uh, they do not. Um, but some other events happen, so we'll, we'll talk about those. Um, let's start with the Robinsons, and I guess I've lumped Daphne. Daphne is sort of a floating character at the moment, so she she is a recurring it's really annoying me how the characters are all starting to mix with each other. I can't put them in their neat little boxes, but we'll do our best. Um, well, you so... know that hair deserves to be shared. Yes, spread the spread the love. Um, we start the fortnight with Terry. She's being held captive by Charles in his tacky TK Maxx den. Yeah, um, with her, and with her Daph- peak yes. Larry the Lamb voice going. Oh yeah, it's she is she is most lamb like this fortnight, and that there's one particular moment that we'll come to later where she is at um like 
full full scale um lamb like um but like uh, there's an actual lamb that she resembles um in popular culture but um Daphne um starts to worry about Terry um and um she's sort of pacing her house and someone shows up in a clown mask with a gun um and they shoot it and a flag comes out that says bang which is um, not a joke I think I would appreciate if I was Daphne. I've never seen a movie where that is appreciated. Like, it's always the beginning no. of a sinister a sinister aspect. And I do feel, and I, I think I might have said this before, but as I say, like, the last few weeks have been a bit of a blur. Um, this granddad, Daphne didn't know who he was when he rocked no. up. And he introduced himself as, I'm your grandfather. And, and she was like, of course. Yeah, no evidence. Like, he didn't bring his 23andMe response. Like, there's been, <laughs> he hasn't got, like, a lock of her mother's hair. I don't know. There's been no evidence to back up his connection with her whatsoever. And I do think that, obviously, his behaviour is quite ungrandfatherly in, in many ways, mm-hmm. but particularly turning up like a character from It!, and threatening her with what turns out to be a fake gun doesn't seem yeah. like the sort of thing a benevolent grandfather would do. Yeah, everyone loves a prank where they think they're about to be shot to death, especially if you're in sex work or, or um, you know, e- exotic dancing, um, like any kind of any kind of industry like that where there will be violent men around and they might be threatening. Must really feel great to have someone show up at your door with a gun. She's already been subject of um of a bomb scare, so you know why why not why not a little a little threat to her life for lols. Um, I always felt like the, him introducing himself as a grandfather was just really clunky exposition by somebody who had never written anything before. <laughs> but like, it, it would have just been served just as well. All that had to happen was for her to open the door and go, Grandpa! Like, that didn't, Weirdly. didn't need to say, I'm your grandfather. <laughs> um, yeah, that is that is very true, actually. Um, the relationship that I, I've been thinking of in connection with those two is Heidi. I don't know if you read the book Heidi when you were little or oh, God, years ago, yeah. the TV show or, the, um, or any of the films, but it was just, you know, a little girl dumped with a grandfather and she's all perky and cheerful. And he's, <coughs> yeah. in, I mean, obviously in Heidi, he's miserable and she wins him over um, after a couple of bowls of goat's milk and whatnot. But, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I mean, there's usually there's quite an idealistic uh, thing about girls and their their grandfathers, and I think they've sort of wanted to make that here, but without any of the bother of long term history. There is like later in one of the episodes, there is a little bit of oh, I remember when you were little, you used to say this or that, but it doesn't seem to be something Daphne's familiar with. Like she'll go, oh yes, of course, I always love this or like that, and um, she just goes, oh. What's Daphne's last name at this point? I, and it, it, I know what it becomes later. Uh, spoiler, but I, I um, what, what what's her last name? Lawrence, isn't it? Like imagine imagine if he shows up and this whole thing happens. Goes, oh, Daphne Lawrence. I've got I've got the wrong house. Yeah. Like I'm not I'm not your grandfather. Like, oh, there's just... a famous old Jewish joke like that. It was from um, yeah. um You don't have to be Jewish, which was a sketch group, and they used to release records of their sketches. And my mum had it um, when I was growing up, and it's a a long thing. I know about, the one. Yeah, the, the mother. Yeah, uncle from the mother to help the daughter whose husband's sick, um at work, and all the kids are sick, and she's sick, and she's got people coming for dinner, and then um just at the end of the call, the mum says the husband's name, and and she goes. 
my husband's name's Barry or whatever. <laughs> who's who's yeah. Jerry? And uh, that's the hilarious. Is this not nine five three seven eight seven four? That's a made up number, by the way. Don't phone it. I I can't remember anybody's phone numbers in real life, so your numbers are quite safe with me. <laughs> yeah. Um. I, I on the other hand do remember numbers, so don't tell me yours. Um. <laughs> so, unless you want to get a lot of phone calls. Um. So yeah, he's he's very annoying. He's a very, very, very annoying character. Um, I want him to go away, but he is here. So, um, yeah, he's he wants to stay with Daphne and Des despite coming into a lot of money. He makes Des sleep on the couch, um, which I, I guess is instant karma for moving Sarah in without permission and Terry. Yeah. Um, I thought his excuse so, was phenomenally interesting, um, that he can't sleep in Daphne's room because... He's allergic to female cosmetics. Yeah. That, sensitive for, a, for a man who has so many female friends. So many. Um, turns up with a different girl on his arm every week. That seems implausible. Um, but who am I? Who am I to you know, question someone's medical right. stuff, I guess? Um, so Daphne finds a use for Harry, at least. She sends him in to distract Charles. And to be fair, this is the best Harry's ever been in her probably ever will be where he wanders in being his terrible self um pretending to be a confused drunk old man and uh for a minute i hope they'll fight to the death but they don't um that you know that they'll both end up somehow Mm. killing each other um terry manages to escape with the tape um, because they just left it on the coffee table um at this i don't want to victim blame i really don't but at this point why don't i just give him the fucking tape just give him the tape I mean, that just is a great question, um, because she could just give it to him and continue with her, I have lodged 17 copies with important, significant people and lawyers. Yeah. Um, just make a copy. Uh, but, um, just make a copy and give him the take, like in the ring. Make a copy. There we go. <laughs> I'd love if it was like the ring. She'd be good as the girl in the ring. She'd be great. She's she was born for that part. Straighten the hair a bit. <laughs> Um, no, that that hair's much more scary. <laughs> Just imagine that crawling out of the TV like like a big scary blood lamb. Ah. Um, anyway, um, yeah, she takes it to the solicitor. Well, she says she's going to take it to the solicitor rather because she does not. Um, and she hides the tape. And I, I'm sorry, this is what you're really losing me here, Terry. In the fucking tape box. I thought that was sort of genius. But if the tapes aren't used very often. Yeah, I mean, it is the first place that anyone would look. Okay, so yeah, um, what our minds are right is that um, the first place she hides it is in the house of the person she does not want to have it. Right, she is thinking yeah. outside every possible box. Um, so she's the so she's the sort of person I thought this guy is going to do anything possible to get this tape. So I'm going to tuck it behind his faux African idol, which I still, or face mask or whatever it's meant to be. Um, apologies to anyone who's ever been anywhere because the house is so offensive. Um, but yeah, I'll hide it there because if it's in his house, he won't find it. Um, he obviously doesn't look like someone who hires a cleaner who would move things. And um, then the next stage is to hide it amongst other tapes. So I think actually we're very critical of Terry, but she's thinking with her... Um, you know, clever plumber's brain of where can you put things where I'm the person who'll know where they are. I thought that's quite good. Yeah, except the tapes are in use a lot, and um, yeah. and and yeah, that's it. Turns out to be a mistake, but um, we'll get to that after all the build up. 
to the surprise party. We do not see the surprise party, um, which just like, again, feels like someone who's never written anything before because a gift to a writer is like an excuse to get all the characters in one place. And Absolutely. what happens when everyone's in the room and, and they've all got different tensions going on. Um, and yeah, they, they just skip over it. We see Not it's just neighbors. the most incompetent group of people attempting to find someone to hide in a room ever. Yes. Yep. Where should we go? Uh, behind the curtain. Every time they said that about should we go behind the curtain, I kept thinking about how as soon as he walks up the path, all he's going to see is everyone's backsides pressed against the window. Yeah, very good point. Um, well, Paul is not at all surprised. He yells surprise himself. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was annoying. And he um, barely comments and... on the lack of French champagne, despite that being such a feature of the previous conversation. Yeah, I mean that was an excuse to to leave, wasn't it? But uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not even convinced that Paul is that into French champagne. I just think it was. Uh, Imagine, but how ungrateful! I mean, I know it's Paul. Would you have to be to to be thrown a party and be like, "Where's the French champagne?" <laughs> that would be that would be a real dick I move. Say I that. mean, it's really embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that you're you go to the party, so you're a step ahead of me. Um, so Douglas, Douglas is still in the picture. He invites Helen for a dirty weekend um, away somewhere. That's she is scandalised overnight. I, I, is it yes. a, I suppose it is a weekend, isn't it? Because they're all off school. You're very good at sussing these things out. I hadn't really thought about the logistics of the date. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's dirty and not dirty because she's like, we are sleeping in separate rooms. I, I don't know why. I don't know why they need to make Helen so puritanic. It's, it's so weird. It's like, also, it is about 30 seconds from I'm not ready for anything, separate rooms, blah, 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 to... I mean, I was going to say the opposite extreme, but I don't mean shenanigans. Um, no. But deciding, actually, I love you and I want to be with you. That the That's what I mean about pacing, <coughs> is that I mm. thought, good for her for saying I'm not ready. They've only just met, although in neighbours' terms, it's like, I don't know, 10 years. It's like dog years, isn't it, neighbours' <laughs> relationships. Um, so, yeah. But I thought, good on her. It's not about being puritanical, it's about being ready. Sure. And she's allowed, she's totally allowed her boundaries. Um, and even if you're absolutely, how old is she? it's very hard to know because she sort of looks like she could be anything from 50 to 100. <laughs> I, I have no idea how old she's meant to be. That's a good question. I'm sure there are much nerdier people than us listening to this who will be able to answer that. We'll, we, we, we'll get a comment in the Facebook group. We'll find out. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, it's, it goes from zero to a hundred and, um, yeah, everyone panics because Helen is away for like a night and they'll have to wipe their own asses and do their own cooking. Yeah. And even Jim is like, what a shame Terry can't cook. It's like, what a shame <laughs> you can't cook, Jim. Like, um, why? 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 I can't to? find a woman. Yeah. It's a terrible, terrible man, Jim. I've completely turned against Jim. Um, this is now an anti Jim podcast. Um, I still find it amazing. I know this is a slight digression. Um, your feelings about Jim and yeah. your feelings about Carl Kennedy 50,000 years later. Because I, I, to me, they mm. feel very similar. Yes. I, I mean, Carl, yeah, well, in about 30 years, we'll talk about <laughs> Carl. But I, I just, I think he, he is, he just completely 
disregards his wife's feelings and in, in every possible like the unforgivable moment for me was there were many but like one that sticks out is the durian moment like that was that was so unfunny to like use her long-term illness and humiliate her because of his own uh that was that was great like their their savings what he did with their savings yeah. without her consent that was disgusting um the way he's behaved with other women the way he entertained having another baby with Izzy after how much he hurt her was just because of some vanity thing to do with the hospital was I mean, unspeakable was how our pods worked at the end when you say who would you like to get rid of I would say Carl every single week yeah from now even when he's not even born yet so um yeah to me he's uh, and I quite like Susan I think he's born yeah uh, yeah 1985 probably unless he is two years older than me he's born I I hope um uh, sorry for that diversion everybody but (laughs) let's face it if you're listening to this you know who Carl Kennedy is so uh, I'm sure you'll appreciate the the need to share and also, this is not a commentary on Fletch, who we love. Um, this is just uh, this is a commentary on the behaviour of the character, who oh, yeah. we do not. Oh, I can, um, I can separate those things out. Yeah, um, I am I am a person who can separate out the actor from their yes. character. So some I, I have seen some actors, and I won't I won't go into details, but who take attacks against the character very personally as really? attacks against them yeah um and and have reacted quite strongly to people disliking something that the character's done even in quite reasonable terms so it's kind of got to be a little bit careful i understand that people are protective of the characters that they inhabit and love but you know that's so interesting because i've that's... only ever really seen kind of the opposite one of my uh, best friends is a famous soap actor in the uk and um like it's more that people find them like assume they are like the character yeah yeah i I mean that i i think that's happened too. people like would go up to i think i read somewhere natalie bassingthwaite that people would go up to her and be like why did you break up carl and susan (laughs) Um, but uh, i'd be like yay yay break them up (laughs) i like to depend on susan she was cool (laughs) yeah i liked her too Anyway, th- th- we digress. Lucy, Lucy, back in 1985, goes to meet creepy Barbara in the park after explaining to Jim that she is off to meet some lady in the park um, and then telling him that she understands stranger danger, which she does not because <laughs> she apparently thinks um, strangers are just people you've never spoken to rather than um, people who introduce themselves to you in a public space. Um, so, so Barbara's and- her special friend who's ancient. She's probably about 20. Yeah, Jim has no follow-up questions <laughs> because he is a terrible father. Um, Who is this? So she I goes, mean, and also, really, yeah. she's looking at 20, very, very tiny in the rearview mirror. Yes, yes. Um, she's 20, I'm, uh, I'm five. Um, I'm also but yes. 20. <laughs> <laughs> Jim has no follow-up questions, allows his very small daughter, who probably shouldn't be in the park unsupervised anyway i know it's the 80s, it's the but, 80s she's too young. The, but i was in the park unsupervised um usually with other children um but On like yeah barbara gives lucy chocolates um and lucy's like oh good thing you're not a stranger so, well she, she is lucy don't eat those they're probably laced with something um jim starts then interfering with phil and julie um 
because she goes to visit him in hospital and, and Jim comes with and he has a chat with Phil mm. and Julie just politely asks him not to. She's really quite reasonable about it for Julie. She's mm. like, could you just not because I'm a grown up and he starts young ladying her and under my roofing under her. My roof. and it, yeah. it, he's, he, she's a grown woman. It's disgusting. She's a grown woman making a very um, concerning choice though. Isn't she? Sure. But there's ways to, ha- you know, if he said, like, I appreciate that you're an adult and you have autonomy and you're going to make your own decisions. But like adult to adult, I'm Here worried that concerns. this isn't a good decision. Yeah, that's that's one thing. But like finger wagging and calling her young lady. Mm-hmm. First of all, that's going to alienate her. Like if someone started doing that to me, I would immediately be writing off everything they said. I'd be like, well, you're garbage and everything you say is garbage. Yeah. And second, it's it's just rank misogyny. He, he doesn't question Paul's life choices in that way he doesn't he doesn't interfere in Paul's relationship in that way I mean he has on and oh, off yeah, a little bit he yeah. has said yeah. about the things buying things and... but not to the same extent but I think people always treat um you know uh in not just then even now uh, the daughters are treated differently from the sons in lots of families so mm-hmm. yeah I mean the way he goes about it is completely ineffective but I can see why he'd be concerned and uh I'm also concerned, and I don't even like Julian. I'm concerned. Oh, it's a terrible decision. Do you believe he loves her? Terrible decision. Like his progeny. Yeah, or is she? Spoiler. <laughs> um, uh, so it's been three days or whatever. So obviously, Julia is quitting her job and marrying Phil, even though there's been no hint of a proposal or whatever. Um, well, she's so Jim of, is like, um, you're not the one marrying him. Are you marrying him? I mean, um, <laughs> maybe some if he whatever. <laughs> Just slipped out. We've all said um, that about our boyfriends. Yes, we have. Um, if you if you're not careful, you end up marrying them, though. Yeah, so sure. just just a, a hazard warning on that. When you when you talk about it, sometimes they take you seriously. True fact. Um, um, when my husband proposed to me, I planned to say, "Can I think about it?" Just for a laugh. <laughs> because we already knew we were going to get married like that had all been discussed I just hadn't had a proper proposal and I was a bit annoyed about like the assumption so when he made and he made huge efforts like planned a whole big adventurous uh, evening of all kinds of amazing things um, different places different foods and views and drinks and whatever and a whole speech and I had in the back of my mind to just go um, can I think about it and but in the heat of the moment I said, like, yes. And then I yeah, went... Yeah, probably for the best. Oh, no. And he said, what's the matter? And I said, I meant to say, can I think about it? And he said, why? And I was like, oh, it's too complicated to explain. And that was, um, you know, at that point, I feel like he took me and my neurodivergent brain on with all its little complexities. <laughs> and he's had to accept and, um, you know, promote it ever since. I love how in that moment you were like, oh, I, I, I fudged the punchline. That was literally it. I was so annoyed at myself just because I had it in the back of my mind all day. And um, as you'd appreciate, once you've fixated on something, it really becomes quite important, even if it's, and I, I think it's fair to say, ridiculous, because that was ridiculous. I did want to marry him and I would always have said yes. But yeah, that's just my idiosyncrasy. That's very funny. Um Meanwhile, Jim goes looking for Lucy and finds out from an old lady in the park that she was with some random woman um, who is very pretty. And Jim's like, okay, no follow-up questions. The one who could have been his wife. I'm sure it's fine. Um, Jim is a terrible, terrible, terrible father. Um, 
Danny and Scott are playing tapes. Um, Lucy isn't allowed to touch them. Um, Chekhov's tapes. This is the first time in Neighbours history where something has actually come back later. Um, <laughs> to um, that Where they mentioned, don't listen to the tapes. Um, Lucy listens to the tape. She immediately finds the tape because Terry hid it in the tape box. Yeah. Um, it's okay. 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 There are a lot it's, of tapes there. I feel like the odds yeah. were still good that no one would have listened to a tape they didn't recognise, didn't say like I'm trying to think who it would have said at that point in time it didn't say like Queen or Duran yeah. Duran or whoever was famous in Australia before the people we know of now, like Kylie obviously she didn't exist in the same way um, if it was just a blank tape, I, I presume, I can't remember what the case looks like, it, I don't think it said on it, um, scary tape of gangsters talking about their crimes or anything <laughs> I would have labelled it with something that no one is ever going to want to listen to. Like, Spies Like Us came out in 1985, okay? I would, And Paul McCartney did that dreadful, dreadful... I know I'm talking about Paul McCartney a lot. It's another special interest. Indulge me. Um, he did that dreadful, bless him, song where he plays all the instruments and he's like sort of mugging and gurning in the music video and it's like, Dad, stop! Just write Spies Like Us, Paul McCartney on the tape, and I guarantee no one will ever listen to it, ever. Well, yes, that is fair. Um, There we go. Problem solved, Terry. La- yeah, label it something really, really crap. Yeah. Um, and, and I say that as someone who loves Paul McCartney, by the way. Please do not attack me. I love I him love very Paul much. I love Paul McCartney, but, but yes. I feel like, you know, he's done two kinds of things, amazing things and not amazing things. Yes. Spies like us. Oh, ooh, controversial. We'll have an argument about the frog chorus <laughs> another time. Um, so, um, so Lucy, here's the tape. Now, now here, here is my issue. How does this incriminate Terry in any meaningful way? I understand. I understand that she knows about a dope deal gone wrong and a murder. She knows about it and she hasn't reported it. But surely any authorities worth their salt would be like, oh, well, she felt in danger. Like, She's clearly not complicit in the murders. She didn't, she wasn't, it's not like the tape is of Terry committing a murder well, we or Terry being present. Know, do we? Because really, um, first of all, she could have been an alibi. Um, I mean, she obviously knew yeah, stuff could've. that she didn't report. Like she could be in trouble just for non-reportage. Um, I don't know what the official term is. And I don't, we don't mm. haven't heard the whole tape. I mean, that would have been a special episode, the 90 minutes. Um, yeah. both, I mean, assuming it's both sides, like 45 minutes either <laughs> side. Like, you know, I had tapes. Um, and it would have been interesting, wouldn't it? A special. Um, Lucy presses play and the whole thing is just her maybe with, what's the dog's name? It's gone out of my head now. Um, Basil. Basil. Um, just Lucy stroking Basil as he listened to the details of a grisly murder and cover-up. <laughs> um, a, a slight pause for a second just before the adverts for her to turn eject the, the tape, tape turn over. it over. Make sure End get, of side eight. <laughs> get a pencil to make sure it's taut at the beginning. <laughs> Give it a little twiddle. Play the second side. And then we'll all be like, oh, at uh, 87 minutes. Now we find out where Terry's worried. We're showing our age, aren't we here? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, from the short clip played in that, I don't think she would be in any serious legal trouble. I think they would be like, th- there might be some questions as to why she didn't report it. And she'd be like, well, Charles is violent and he threatened me. And this Robert guy is clearly violent and I didn't want to be killed. And they'd be like, okay, 
and then that would probably be the end of it like uh, i she seems to think that she would go to jail for a really long time for knowing maybe there's more to it that i haven't seen yet so i will reserve judgment but based on based on what i've heard so far it makes no sense to me why terry is so worried about these tapes landing in the wrong hands mm-hmm. or paul knowing about the tapes like hi i knew a scary violent man and he told me a scary thing and i didn't tell anyone because i was scared is like generally reasonable behavior generally yeah um why do we need robert why 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 i don't understand what's what is robert's role why wouldn't charles the stakes would be exactly the same it's like the, the daphne's grandpa thing it's they completely right. overcomplicate the narrative the stakes would be identical if charles was the murderer and wanted the tapes back because they incriminate him instead we've got this this mysterious robert breathing down his neck who we've never seen we don't know who he is um we just know that he's robert and that charles is afraid of him we don't need charles to be afraid of anyone we just need him to be a criminal yeah robert is unnecessary other than a shadowy overlord is quite a traditional impactful character yeah i mean why can't charles be the shadowy overlord yeah, no, he basically I mean, is. He he yeah. fulfills all the major functions of a shadowy overlord. He's yeah. deeply unpleasant, and um, yeah, yeah, you're right. Very weird. Well, let, I mean, let's bear Robert in mind for um, later. Are they just are they saving him up? <sighs> um, right. Well, Lucy tries to tell people, but as usual, nobody listens to her. Even though last time nobody listened to her, like there was there was actually somebody in the house with a gun um uh and then she just leaves the tape that she's so concerned about in the garden oh it falls out of her jeans ah okay yeah i don't think she intentionally leaves in the garden i think it fell out of her she tried to put it right we've all tried to put things in our jeans pocket your phone your keys whatever Mm -hmm. it's not easy if you're wearing jeans and um it fell out of her pocket i think you don't want to be putting a tape in your jeans pocket it would, was it in a case or not anyway that's um, it wasn't we're getting because into she'd diminution. just been told off about the listening to it but i do think that um they they don't often listen to her when she speaks in a whiny voice and that is something yeah. that all children should learn from like i wish i'd sat down my kids in front of that episode <laughs> at that age and just went see how nobody's paying attention to them <laughs> don't speak in a whiny voice speak in a nice voice present your arguments in a rational way Mabel will find the time to listen to what you have to say yeah I mean she's like nine so but yeah she <laughs> you do not want to be putting a tape without a case in your pocket because it's going to damage the the literal tape but anyway um Julie then Julie leaves the show mm. um in a blink and you'll miss it goodbye um and she and Philip's children seem remarkably happy about it have they met yeah. her? Mm, very, very briefly. Very so they don't have the the picture yet, do they? They don't know what they're in for. She's but like, um, announces to him, um, by the way, I've quit my job at the bank. I'm moving into your house. So I'm going to bring your children up. And he's like, oh, thank you so much. I wouldn't have managed without you. Um, he has sort of really, in a way, maybe he's the most Machiavellian character because he's enge- yes. engineered this situation where she's so in love with him, she'll do anything, including raise his children. And the children seem to have forgotten that they had another <coughs> mum about eight seconds ago. Um, they're just happy that they're going to be able to go back to their home and their school with yeah. mummy too, Julie, um, and uh, their damaged father. He has replaced his wife like most people replace a goldfish, yeah. like overnight. Just she, she died. Flush her down the loo. Get another one. They they look vaguely similar, I guess. Um, He's got a type. Yeah. Woman, they won't notice. <laughs> it's fine. 
<laughs> Hope the plumbing holds out. That is all. Um, no goodbyes to the family. Like she has a moment with Jim where she tells him what she's going to do, and he's like, "I'm proud of you." Yeah. But which is a, a quite a turnaround. Um, no goodbye with Scott or Lucy um, or no, Des. No, the well party where they don't make it a surprise and no one buys French champagne. Nope. Helen's on her dirty weekend. Yeah. So they let her out the back door. They're like, never mind. Let's never think of her again. And they they do not speak of her again. She's gone. That's it. Um, Only to mention that he now has two children living at home. Um, So this is fine. They can, if they miss her, they can just get another woman in in the house to replace her. It's also, it's not weird to have your two youngest children living at home. No. No. Especially when they are not yet adults. Um. So Charles phones Terry and threatens to hurt someone close to her unless he gets the tape. Um, and he says, your little friend, which uh, we can assume means Lucy and not not a derogatory reference to Paul. Um, <laughs> Helen comes back um, and Eileen judges her for being a, on, on a sex weekend. Um, oh, uh, somewhere in there, Helen decides she's in love with um, what's his face? Douglas, because he briefly went out to get breakfast. Yeah. Um, so that's a solid foundation for a marriage. Maybe she just really likes pasties. Maybe. I mean, I re- I do really like breakfast. Uh, it definitely would be. It would clinch a deal for me. Being being. I know someone brought me a pasty for breakfast. It's also he's he's doing tea. what we call now in two thousand and whatever this is, um, negging. I think yes, because he sort of he disappears is. like as if he's left her in the lurch in the mm-hmm. B&B by herself and um, done a bunk. And the owner's like, oh, I think he had to work or something. But actually he's gone out to buy um, breakfast and picnics and proposed to her yesterday, yeah. literally yesterday. This is not in Neighbours time. It's in like the actual story. She says, you know, let's just be friends and I'm not ready for anything else. And then um, they sleep in their separate rooms. He's not there the next day. She thinks she's been dumped. And she's so grateful for him not dumping her and the breakfast that immediately it's all about the, yes, I'll marry you. I love you. And snogsies. What do you call yeah, it in Australia? So Pashing. Pashes. So they, they are engaged now. Um, it's been a couple of weeks. It's neighbours. So they're engaged. Um Meanwhile, Charles sends Barbara to soft kidnap Lucy. It's a soft kidnapping because she's, you know, I, I guess she's free to leave. I and mean, she's just being distracted. But it's a kidnapping in that um, Terry and Daphne are panicking that she's gone. Mm. Um, I don't think Barbara would have ever hurt Lucy. But I can't say the same for Charles. But I think Barbara's quite I fond mean, of Lucy. Lucy can be very annoying. And I can see the she temptation to hurt her. <laughs> um, I'm well, not yeah, suggesting all that in any in way. Let me disclaimer here that <laughs> it's appropriate to hurt your children just because they're annoying. No. One should not hurt one's children. No, you need a really good reason for that. No, don't hurt your children. Hurt your children. Um, ever. Um, Terry. Um, Terry refuses to call the police. Um, maybe call Jim too. Like, hey, we think your kid's been. Actually, no, he'd probably be an actor. He'd be like, ah, oh, it's fine. I'm sure she's fine. She's probably with um, one of her not much too old friends <laughs> it's probably with that adult woman that i don't know yeah I'm super um so terry is monumentally selfish in not calling the police um i think so daphne does it for her um why does daphne come with the police to that's not a thing it's you don't thing. you don't report a crime and then go with the police to the crime scene absolutely not and also then the police would rarely in front of the person who you made the accusation to turn around and throw it back at you it was a weird scene 
It was very weird. Um, Lucy isn't there because he's got an accomplice. Um, accomplice. So um, he tells the police that Daphne's a stripper. Um, of course he does, to undermine her. Tale as old as time mm-hmm. there. Um, Lucy gets home safely um, and Daphne... Um, they're all very relieved, but Daphne tells her to stay away from Barbara because she beats her dog, um, which I get, you know, that's that's quite a smart way, I think, to to keep Lucy away from her. But also, I just feel like, why do they not just tell the wider family what's that? Why is any of this a secret? Why not say, hey, you know that I have a, an ex-husband who's in jail. Well, also, I have a really problematic ex-boyfriend. He's violent. He's scary. I know some things about him. I have evidence about him. He's been threatening me. He's been stalking Lucy. He's been sending someone to talk to Lucy. And I'm in too deep. And let's deal with this as a family. What would happen if she said that? Probably nothing. They would probably all help her. Or they'd all just ignore it and um, have a surprise party barbecue. Um, so Daphne and Terry fall out over Daphne calling the police um, because Terry thinks she's given Charles a free pass now to do what he wants. Um, and Daphne tells Terry she's on her own. And that uh, there there endeth Daphne's only female friendship. So yeah. there we go. Yeah. I mean, I just think that the voice became too irritating. Probably. Shane stops by to see Terry and she goes full damsel in distress, which appeals to his white knighting. He loves to white knight. Um, She asks him to stay over um, and he does. And the next day, Paul comes home, finds him there and Terry lies about why he's there. Um, Again, would have been just much easier to tell Paul what's happening. But uh, yeah. Um, Then Terry floats the idea of moving away to Paul and Paul immediately just shouts her down um, because that's what he does. Yeah. and uh, then he goes back to work. Uh, then while he's gone, Charles tries to mow Terry down in the car to scare her and yells that next time he won't miss. Um, and this is witnessed by Sir Shane Alot the Brave, um, who yeah, obviously that, that contributes to his white knighting. Um, and now comes one of the funniest scenes of, of these episodes. Barbara sees Scott and Danny put tapes in the back of Shane's car and assumes it's the tape. Um and she steals them yeah. and uh, she she brings them home. And I just cannot get over how funny it is that she presses play expecting this like crime tape. And it's the boys terrible band and Max <laughs> Ramsey's drunken singing. And it's that sort of wonderful. And if this was a film, uh, then obviously she would send it to a record company and they'd be signed immediately from that. Yes. Well, Richard Curtis needed to write that episode. <laughs> Um, I, I have thoughts about their their band, but uh, yes. Um, Helen and Douglas open a joint account. Red flag. Um, Douglas offers yeah. to buy Helen a cottage, then can't afford it. Red flag. So, <laughs> so Jim embezzles fifty eight thousand dollars from his company. That's embezzlement. That's it's a company. It's not. It's not your private savings account. Um, and loans it to this guy he barely knows. Um, Helen doesn't want to accept the money because she's sensible. So Jim goes behind her back to Douglas because he's a rank misogynist and makes terrible life choices. And they bully her into accepting the money together. And none of this rings alarm bells in Jim's head. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things that don't ring a lot. Jim's alarm bell system needs an overhaul. Yeah. It's like child cycling on the wrong side of the road, like obsessed. (laughs) 
danger. Um, you know, Lucy having an adult friend who he doesn't know, fine. Um, man, Helen's known for three weeks opening a joint account and taking $58,000 of his money, fine. I think there's a bit with Jim and Helen. I mean, they have a very bizarre relationship that periodically, I mean, as we've discussed, I think at great length for a podcast that's only been going for however many months, um, the relationships <laughs> can be a little bit skewed in a yes. sexual direction that's not appropriate. Um, and every so often, you know, like he comes and hugs her from behind and stuff in a way that, you know, I'm close to some of my family members and I hug very few people in that way. Um, so I think he feel, he feels he owes so much to Helen. He probably doesn't think he can be um, hostile to anything that happens that might be her happiness at this point. Yeah, I mean, there's hostility and then there's embezzling $58,000. Um, no, you know, I did like um, when they were coming home from their trip. I know this is now something we talked about 10 minutes ago. Um, seeing Jim and his pinny with a clean tea towel <laughs> over his shoulder so neither of those things have been used at all um right scurrying around to clear <laughs> up and picking up like lucy's felt tips and everything as if that will make helen think he can't cope without her um it was very reminiscent of all those old yellow pages adverts i think it was called the golden pages in australia I could be wrong the phone book directory thing where there were adverts all over the world about um parents coming back from being out and the kids have had a party or done something in the house and they're having to kind of rush around and find people who clean paintings or clean the carpets yeah. or whatever because of all the mess. Um, and it did have those vibes. Yeah, it's his house. But okay, um, it's a grown man. It's his house. It's fine if there are, there's a bit of mess. I don't, don't know why he needs that. But yeah, so, so meanwhile, Charles threatens Barbara over the missing tapes. Barbara then goes to Terry and says she's effectively switched sides. Daphne doesn't believe her. Terry does. I'm inclined to believe women, but also this is Neighbours in 1985, so presumably she's lying. Because um, that... I Yeah. yeah. Um, so Daphne, Daphne says you've been... You've just been taken in by a very skilled con artist, basically. And, um, and Terry's like, no, I believe women, because, you know... That's yeah. the right thing to do. Um, Jim needs to hire a housekeeper, uh, lest his precious hands touch uh, dishes. Helen wants him to hire a woman for some reason. Even Harry, Harry, terrible Harry, has to point out that he's being discriminatory. He's like, I don't know, there's employment law and that's not okay. Um, when when Harry is the progressive voice of reason, you've got to question what you're watching, haven't you? Yes. Um Charles keeps on threatening Terry and she keeps Larry the lambing him back and then Shane stays over again and Shane's getting really uncomfortable with this arrangement and lying to everyone and he tells Terry he doesn't want to do it and this is when she goes have you seen the episode of The Simpsons where Lisa's a vegetarian? Yes I have. Okay, so, also so Paul McCartney. Yeah it was a lot of Paul McCartney he's everywhere um here there and everywhere um but um I'm just gonna do a little round of applause because that was really thank you good. thank you very much um so you know the bit where Lisa is looking at the lamb and Homer's like oh it's lamb it's not a lamb and the <laughs> lamb goes 
I thought you loved I me. Do know that. Loved me. Um, she literally does this almost line for line to <laughs> Shane when she's like, I thought you were my friend. You would have done anything for me. It's exactly like I just pictured that little cartoon lamb yelling at Lisa. There's, <sighs> there's also the added layer of Terry absolutely does fancy Shane. Like she she does love yes. him more than she loves her hu- husband Paul for probably very good reasons because Paul's not lovely at all, and no. Shane does seem to be quite lovely. Hmm. I mean, I mean, in a kind I, I, of yeah. retro male eighties way. If you don't know him very well, yeah, I, I I feel like once you get to know him, he's he's just another man on neighbours. Um, <laughs> But yeah, um, there's a succession of weird housekeeper interviews, um, which like there's some stern lady shows up. Jim's scared of her. Lady hits on Jim. Oh, it's all very uh, beginning of Mary Poppins interviews. Yeah. Oh, please say Mary Poppins shows up next. That's the only way to redeem this storyline. Scott picks up on Shane and Terry because he sees Shane leaving her house in the morning. Yeah. and she tries to lie about it, and Terry's like, uh, Shane's like, oh, for, for God's sakes, just tell the truth. Mm. Um, and uh, that's where we leave them this fortnight. Yeah. I mean, Neighbours would have ended in the beginning of 1985 if anyone had ever told anybody anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's predicated on uh, secrets and lies. Yeah. <sighs> on to yeah. the Ramses. Are you feeling exhausted from the Robinsons? Because I am. Really, yeah, really am. Um, there's a lot going on with the Robinsons this month. I was like, just get it out of the way. Just get it out of the way. The Ramses. Um, Max gives Danny a driving lesson. Uh, Danny is a terrible driver. So Max, being the genius that he is, decides to give him a driving lesson by showing him what not to do. Yeah. Um, swerves around maniacally on the road. Gets caught by the police. Gets pulled over. Argues with the police officer. And then reverses into the police car. Um, it's very funny, but um, did Max not just recently lose his license? Has he got that back now? So that was well, my first thought was I'm pretty sure he's not in a position to be teaching somebody to drive from a legal point of view. Yeah. But also, um, I think last time or the time before I talked about how uh, every so often they develop Max comedy music. And yeah. this time it's sort of medieval and I couldn't really <laughs> work out why his his terrible driving warranted kind of um, Knights of the Round Table backing music. But there you go. That's what it was. Yeah, I don't think he's in a position to be teaching anybody to drive, let alone his young yeah. son. But they get him on a technicality. It's because he's in the driver's seat with the L plates on, whereas if he'd been in the passenger seat... Um, it would have been okay so that was a you know when it comes it's amazing actually you think about it that jim didn't point this out because he does like pointing out legal elements of driving you know cycling on the roads mm-hmm. what like lanes you're supposed to go on right or left I yeah, this jim's was all about road safety moment. yeah you'd think so another another look to camera you see um this week's issue to drive yeah uh great line from danny when he offers to give max driving lessons enjoyed that cheek um danny meanwhile is convinced that he's got this job at the bank um and he does that very teenage thing of already spending money that he doesn't have you know he's like offering he's you know splashing the cash around he's offering to buy people lunch he's budgeting um budgeting is what amazed me yeah because i was not doing that at that age 
I mean, the things he were, was budgeting for, they're like food. He's like, oh, yeah, 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 food. But but mainly girls and like clothes right. and guitars. But they've um, made him sort of a flatmate, haven't they, in the house? Because yeah. he's supposed to pay a contribution and do housework and everything. Um, Cinder Danny. What was the thing? Cinderella. Cinderella. Yeah. One day I will be able to retain that <laughs> word. Um, Cinderella. So I guess he has had to get used to it because his dad's probably like, well, this is your share of the phone bill out yeah. of your pocket money. Yeah. Um, so he 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 is told by Harry, um, who is in everyone's business this month, that he got like top marks on the aptitude test. So he tells Max and Shane that he's going to get this job at the bank. And like, I know that education isn't for everyone. And not everyone finishes school and that's fine. But Danny's a good student. Danny, like, until his mum left, enjoyed school and was getting good marks. Mm. So, like, he's had a rough couple of months. But wouldn't you be like, look, you're a few months off finishing school. Just finish and then work at the bank. Just HSC. I can't do accents. Like, get at the back. Get get your qualification. Mm. Then get a job at a bank. There's nothing stopping him off. He doesn't have to go to uni. Um, But have your options open. You know, and and maybe be qualified for an even better job at the bank one day. You know, I think Max sort of is thing. too busy thinking about the French teacher to worry too much about what uh, Danny does regarding school. Yeah, they're they're really fine with it. Instantly, they don't have any questions. Um, Danny doesn't get the job um, because um, some other guy had he got joint top marks. Um, he shows his maturity by having a big public whinge at Dares, like oh, I thought I would have got a job. It's like. After that, I would not consider, I'd like, oh, you lack the maturity for this because you weren't yes. just like, okay, thank you for the opportunity. Let me know if anything else opens up. Goodbye. Um, but like having a big tantrum on the shop floor, essentially, really, uh, really making them regret their decision there. Yeah. Um, but Sarah, awful Sarah, who I'm talking about as little as possible awful because Sarah. I cannot cope with her. Um he is driven away by her being awful. So um, so Danny gets the job anyway. Um, also, somewhere in there, Eileen notices that Danny um, might not uh, have the life skills for a job. And uh, Max uses that as an excuse to fire her because, let's face it, he's been looking for one. Um, she's, she's very unemployee-like as it is, isn't she? Yeah, she's, she, she loses jobs left, right and centre. Like, I think because she, like, um, you know, they're having... It's a meal they're often having a meal um Shane and Danny and Max and she just sort of stomps in and starts passive aggressively taking all their stuff off the table and throwing it in the sink not in any constructive way like not gathering all the bowls up in one go like I might and taking them all over no one thing at a time to really emphasize that she's annoyed in um and I don't know if passive aggressive is a strong enough term because she clearly wants people she's to stop what up they're doing yeah and just go was something wrong, Eileen? Do you want to have a little chat? Is everything okay? Yeah. It's just regular aggression. It's just regular aggression. <laughs> There's nothing passive also, about it. They're not her friends. Like, why no. Why would they ever want to hear about what's annoyed her? Correct. Um, yeah, she is, she's a terrible employee in general. It, I think she's just very set in her ways and it makes her bad at interacting with people and I, I can relate to that I'm very set in my ways I'm bad at interacting with people that's fine but um, I, I've also been fired a lot from from customer facing jobs or relegated to say the kitchen where I cannot interact with anyone you know, um, other very important and useful skills 
Yeah. Can't really yeah. say that for ironing. Um, yeah, I, I'm very, very good, for example, at choosing like soft, soft pajamas, um, <laughs> like finding out where those are and getting them um that that's my life skill um so danny starts work at the bank and immediately hits on a colleague because it's the bank slash swingers club and it's it's probably part of his induction like hey so uh you need to sexually harass as many of the women here as possible and exert your influence to get them to date your relatives is that all right um he gets a female colleague um who who didn't want a bar of him um to join his and scott's band and then it turns out she's a terrible singer and then she just sort of disappears. And I'm not sure what the point of that subplot is unless she comes back, but uh, feels a bit like a pointless side quest to me. I mean, generally I love a pointless side quest, but in this case, I agree. Max goes on another date with uh, with Kate. Um, it's actually nice to see him carefree and happy. And I can't help but notice that he's a lot more relaxed and happy since Maria left. Yeah. Well, like, I do you know what? I um I kind of get that because when I've known couples who were sort of unhappy together but staying together for a reason, let's say the the because of guilt or for the sake of their kids or whatever, um when they if they one of them eventually does leave, the other one is often a lot happier even though they didn't think they would be. And their yeah, relationship yeah. was all about what what she owed him. Yes. I completely agree. I think sometimes what you think you want and what you want and need are two very different things. Yeah, and sometimes you don't know how unhappy you are because you're clinging on so hard to the other person because you're scared they're going to leave. And when they do, it's actually a relief. Yeah. And you're like, oh, we had a horrible, horrible relationship. It was toxic for both of us. Um, there you know, was she love was toxic. in it, but it wasn't good yeah. love. He was toxic. She was toxic. They contributed to the dynamic. He was, I think he was worse, but I think, you know, she... She she was not a saint, and um, everyone seems to be happier and better off now, which is you know a shame. Um, but yes, um, so Max is in a great mood now. He's cooking in a fancy breakfast. Actually, is he cooking it, or did Kate cook it and he took credit for it? That was unclear to me. Unclear to me too. Yeah. Okay. Um, the last thing that I that I have noted down for this month is. What is this audition about? Okay, so so they've been talking the whole time about a recording contract, an audition for a recording contract, and then they get there and there's a guy like a magician with a dove. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> what's going on? I, the audio of that would be amazing, wouldn't it? On a recording yeah. contract. Um, <laughs> our next act is a mime. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and here we have an artist, uh, <laughs> but then you could have audio descriptions, I suppose. But even so, yeah, yeah. it is very severe thrilling and it does feel we should have a like podcast a, entirely in mime <laughs> the end of butlin's you know final show of the week where all the people who've been staying there on holiday get to do their special talent or even yeah what's it um in um oh i'm having a mental block now um setting the cat skills in a holiday camp dirty dancing oh yeah yeah, yeah. Dirty dancing. that's all leading up to the great big talent show full of cringe yeah, look. If Danny and Scott were doing a dirty dancing, I paid. I I I watch that. That would be great. I would they, carry a If they had to learn, it. yeah, that would be that would be so much more fun than watching them their teenage band. Um, <laughs> I feel like Simon Cowell watched this episode of Neighbours and was like, "That, that is what that's that's me. That's, that's what dream. I'm gonna do. <laughs> yeah, that's I'm gonna base my entire career off this one episode. What is this audition like? It is." I know it's meant to be funny, but it is so 
spectacularly unrealistic that someone would play like a bar of music and they'd be like next like they didn't even open their mouths to sing that it, it, it's just, it's like it was set up to just troll like struggling artists <laughs> it's like that they're, they're not sincerely looking for anyone talented they let harry go on longer than they let the band go on well, because harry's like magic isn't he he's the dick van dyke <laughs> of this whole scenario in mary poppins um yeah and in a, another callback of things I've said earlier today, um, this was one of the times where I wasn't sure if I was genuinely watching something on Neighbours or maybe because my temperature at that time was quite high with the COVID. Just imagining <laughs> it all. Yeah, let's, let's assume we were. And uh, move on to Des, Daphne, Eileen, George, Harry and Miscellaneous. By miscellaneous, I mean Sarah, but I just don't want to talk about her. I just don't want to talk about yeah, her. Traumatised. Um, Harry um, wins half the coffee shop in a game of poker, and uh, it's so stupid. This part. Him, it imme- he immediately takes it over with no handover at all. It's riddled with debt, and for some reason, he's now responsible for the whole coffee shop because he he has a fifty one percent stake, which absolutely is not how business works. Mm-hmm. Um, he hires Eileen. Uh, do not hire Eileen. No. Um, you have customers. Um, the whole thing is very annoying and I have no brain space for it at all it's just like he gets a coffee shop it it becomes important because he hires Daphne and that's but for now no 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 thank you yeah she's Um, I mean uh, Eileen is disposable income isn't she for that just just I just needed to stop Max and Des um for some reason plot to marry Eileen off to George I think to get rid of her um they're they're literally there they are a step short of trading her for livestock at this point they like they make a deal they you know they clink glasses um Max talks George into proposing and poor poor George does the most awkward proposal of all time and I say this as someone whose husband proposed with the words so without further ado, um, I know, bless him. Um, George, yeah, he he decides to propose to her while she's on a shift, like on a busy shift, rushed, rushed off her feet. And he, she's like, I'm working. He's like, no, 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 this cannot wait. It can, absolutely can wait. Yes. Like it, it can wait a couple of hours. Was he checking the time? Oh, oh it's neighbors years. And we've been together for like 50 years. And uh, our relationship now. is expiring. Someone yeah. dressed up as a clown will come out. There is there is something about that sort of man where mm-hmm. when it's important for them to do something, it's important to do it just at that minute. Um, I do yeah. I do recognise that. Uh, let me tell you a tiny little indiscreet story. Um, this week was the annual, although it hasn't happened because of COVID for a couple of years now, but it was the annual Comedians Christmas Party, which we do in January because in December we're all busy entertaining everybody else. And... Um, when my I was uh, arrived with two of my colleagues, um, Pauline and Louise, um, at the venue, and we were there sort of a bit early, and there was a guy having a drink at the bar who turned out to be just a guy, not a comedian. He didn't realise it hadn't yet closed for the private party, so he was there finishing up his drink, and he was an older gentleman, and we had like a funny little chat with him. He's I think he was a, a lawyer or an accountant, and he thought it was very funny that we have a party, you know, for ourselves. And uh, we had a few pleasant conversations with him. And then when he was ready to leave, he came over to us and he said, I must just tell you something very funny that you can use in your sets. Oh, no, not one of those. And we all all went, 
you don't have to actually that's fine i said to you him, can have that for free we're okay because that's our literal job uh, we're fine and um one of the others said you know you, if you tell us you have to tell us from the stage with a microphone in your hands otherwise you know we don't need to hear it and he said no i really must and i said you can actually just not which is a direct <laughs> Jessica Foster cute quote. Um, and he, anyway, he got very insistent. We didn't let him. We just kept saying, you know, just you don't have to tell us anything here and now. This is our night off. And we already know how to be funny because it's, you know, our profession. And um, he got quite cross and he left because I think there is. And he <laughs> oh, was no. and he was nice. Like he wasn't a horrible person. It's just I think there is that sort of older man who's so used to being able to say whatever they think is important mm-hmm. that, um, you know, and although George is sort of quite timid in lots of ways, he stands up for things when he feels strongly about it. But he can't see that this isn't the moment. She's at work. No. She's busy. It's very inappropriate. And also it yeah. transpires He's so passionate about the moment that he's standing on her foot. Um, yeah. And she 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 has a great... She's such a good actor. She's so good. She has a great moment of going, George, you're standing on my foot, yeah. which is the best reaction to a proposal ever. He also bumps his head somewhere in there. It's a, it's, he's quite yeah, accident prone when you think about yeah. it, George. Pacific Bank... Des. Um, yeah, I just want to, in regard to the story you just told, which is so familiar, don't do that to comedy writers, performers. Just don't, please, please. We don't care about your funny anecdote. It's not like it, we're not going to use it. It didn't happen to us. No. It's like comedy is generally like, especially stand up comedy, is going to be like, you know, very much in your own character and your own voice. And like, that it's very unlikely that your anecdote is going to be, apart from my friend Mark, who whose anecdotes almost always end up in my my work somehow because he just encounters the most bizarre people. Um, but um, like that's that's within the context of a close friendship, and he tells me something funny, and I'm like, can I have that, please? Yeah. Um, or or that, we go if, to writers' yeah. rooms or writers' workshops, and sure. we banter our material around, yeah. um, sure. so that with other, with our peers, so that if you want, for example, to say I've got a joke about salmon, it's falling a bit flat, then someone will say you should say mackerel instead because mackerel yeah. is a biologically funnier word than salmon for all kinds of reasons you can google um things with a hard, hard k, k sound <laughs> there we go <laughs> um, but um we'll we'll do that ourselves but yeah. ne- it has never happened ever in the history of comedy that someone's come up to you at the end of a gig to give you their hilarious story um and th- it's the story that's made your your material their conversation no. that's a different yes. thing yeah, them coming up to you is more likely to make the, the set than like um, what, whatever they tell you. I had um, I've had so many moments like that. Usually at like weddings, it's always weddings. I I've, I've had to like, if someone asks what I do, I just say I'm unemployed, and I just and then no one has follow up <laughs> questions. They get really awkward and they walk off. There's nothing wrong with unemployment, but like no one no one knows what to say when you say that. Yes, that they're not, they just don't. Um, but before I cottoned on to the fact that you should never, ever, ever tell strangers that you, you do comedy, um, I had a couple of those. I had a couple of, oh, I could do that. That's easy. It's like, no, it's not. And you couldn't. Um, oh, as as evidence by this like, conversation. All my friends say I'm the funniest one in our group. And I'm like, oh, no, you are not going to be funny. Stop talking to me. No. Yeah, your your friends are uh, how we say uh, humoring you. Um, but um, I had one one older 
gentleman at a wedding, which was uh, is the, probably the most obnoxious and defensive I've ever got. Actually, no, I can think of another time, but that's that's a, a story that doesn't paint me in a flattering light, so I won't tell it. But um, but there were really he came up to me and he asked what I do, and I had just signed my first book deal, and I was so excited, and I was like, oh, I'm a I'm a comedy writer, and uh, and I'm an author now. And he was like, huh, must be easy then. And my little red mist, my little face puckered and, and uh, you know, I just thought, how dare you? And I said, no, actually, it's one of the most competitive professions out there. It's really hard. Oh, well, if they let you do it, I said, yeah, um, I'm, I'm really good at what I do. And I just sat there like with my arms folded, glaring at him. I was like, no, I'm not going to like it wasn't because I felt particularly confident about my abilities or whatever. But I was like, I am not going to let this guy say like how dare you like yeah. i worked so hard to, to break into this industry you know i had similar with an ex against a lot of odds and i appreciate this is not to do with neighbors um at all but i guess it's to do with us and it's the more you know about us yeah. the more you understand our perspective on the show but um yeah i bumped into an ex-boyfriend at a wedding and it happened to be that that week i had some really big things in my diary um uh, very big shows and um, radio and maybe even a TV thing. Can't remember. But anyway, um, and we, uh, he said to me something like, "Are you still trying to do comedy?" Oh, and I trying. Said, yes, I, I'm a full time stand up now. And he said, "Oh, good. Keep keep going. Keep, keep going. going. Keep yeah, trying. they always You'll say that. There. Keep trying." And I yeah, said to him, like- "Well, I'm performing live for about eight thousand people in the next five days, and uh, I'm." Yeah on the radio in 24 hours so I kind of feel all right about where I am but yeah yeah and uh, for people who don't know Rachel is now a regular on Sunday morning live as well where you can watch her um talking about topical events and um so you know but enough about me (laughs) um but yes that that is another thing please do not if someone tells you that they are a writer or in comedy assume that they are trying or unsuccessful it's going to be embarrassing for you um if they're not and you google them later and see their long list of credits and And it's uh, okay if you've never been on live at the apollo because that's the barometer by which all british comedians are measured if you've been on live at the apollo people feel you are acceptable and if you haven't people just think you should phone them up and ask them then they're bound to be one but i feel this we've gone into a sort of a therapy rant now yeah. Also, one last thing, if you're a woman and you're in the arts or any kind of creative profession or any profession and someone tries to undermine you, it is totally fine to be defensive and to be confident about your abilities and, and what you can do, because um, we are long overdue it as, as, a, as a people. So I stand by my obnoxious uh, response. Anyway, <laughs> um, that was a long digression, but I enjoyed it because we were talking about ourselves and we're comedians and we enjoy doing that. So, yes, Eileen. Um, Eileen comes home to an excited Des. He's all ready for his new daddy, George. Um, he's very much looking forward to the herd of goats that he's sold her for. Um, he's already clearing out space for them um, in Terry's old pen. Um, but she says that she's turned George down. And um, then she dumps George. She goes completely nuclear, just dumps him outright, quits her job at the coffee shop. Um <laughs> to Harry's delight because he was getting fed up of her um and she goes through jobs like I go through Pringles like <laughs> it is you know there, there is uh, uh there is something yes anyway Harry then hires Daphne to run the cafe um she doesn't want to but 
but she does want to so she does i don't know um and i think that's what she ends up that's that's daphne for now like that's that's her thing now um then george tells des he's like oh you know eileen was always too good for me poor george maybe just oh george needs someone to talk to you something happened to you when you were growing up that makes you think that but i did think it was sad sort of eileen's anxiety that another man will leave her so she's got to get out first because i think that was so sad that's very relatable to yeah so relatable you know a lot of people men and women and and non-binary people i think all of us we've um had uh those hangovers from things that have gone wrong and the desire to sort of trash something before it trashes you again is very familiar yeah, totally. She's self-sabotaging because, she, and she has the emotional maturity and self-awareness to know that that's what she's doing as well. Is you know, usually when you do that, it's kind of subconsciously push someone away, and they're like, "Why did I do that?" And you have to go and explore that in therapy. But she's actually got a pretty good beat on herself. Yeah, like she knows that she's inflexible. She knows that she's set in her ways, and she knows that she's been hurt before, and that she's scared of being hurt again. And that's all really, you know, yeah. healthy stuff. I mean, you know, I. I don't know if she really loved George or would have wanted to marry him. I think if she had, she'd be a little sadder. Um, I think they could have been quite happy yeah. together because I think he'd yeah. have got a bit more confident once they he had a ring on her finger. And I think she would have felt sort of quite um, a bit more secure and um, warm for having someone yeah. to come home to and look after. Because all she really wants is to look after people. Yeah, that's true um it's a shame i don't i'm wondering if it's over for them um or if this is just neighbors being neighbors because george says he's going to go and recover at a place called hayman island which is apparently a romantic resort i don't know what it is if anyone is australian yeah um it's uh it sounds like a sexy place for uh for couples and um eileen is going to the same place so in any other show they would bump into each other and have some you know have some sort of reconciliation um but this is neighbors so we'll probably just never hear about them again um i don't know but maybe we will I, I i genuinely haven't watched ahead as she leaves um she tells him to marry she tells des not george to, to marry daphne yeah um so that's a turnaround um uh and then yeah yeah i i agree marry everyone should marry daphne i want to marry daphne mm-hmm. um the last thing that I noted down here, and I don't know why I've left this for last because it's such a damp squib to end on. Sarah tries on a wig. Yeah. And I don't know why and I don't care. <laughs> it does actually suit her. That's the thing to bear in mind. It warms her up a yeah. little bit, but yet it's still her. Yeah. So it's still Sarah under there. I mean, it, it, we can all put wigs on, but we're still the same person underneath. Yeah. That, let that be a valuable life lesson to us all. Do you have any other thoughts about this fortnight that you would like to express before we move on to chucking out some residents? Um, I think I've been quite explicit in my opinions on the people in it. Um, my only, this is just was like a vague thought. I missed it really when we were chatting about that topic was that the guy who goes to work in the bank, the other teenager um, before he drops yeah. out and Danny gets the job, uh, they've re- he's obnoxious and oh yeah yeah it's a funny thing to replace one absolutely intolerable teenager with another absolutely intolerable teenager out of the choices that they must have had presumably they had other applicants so even if you score quite highly in a test 
doesn't necessarily mean you're the person for the job. So I just thought it was interesting. But also, I still find it weird, Sarah's absolute dislike of Danny. Um, you know, she just loathes him, completely loathes him, mm-hmm. for very little reason. Like, there's not have been an, an instant big enough to warrant it. And the idea that this is a better solution than the other guy who was just had good ideas that they weren't willing to accept um, and Sarah yeah. didn't handle well, I think it's very poor management. So if you do run a business or company and you're having some kind of a team building away day to discuss employee and employer relationships, I think that's a very good clip to show people. Yes. And also don't use your business as uh, your personal dating service. That is also a very important message. Unless your business is like a dating service, yeah, that's okay. in which case. But in, in that which case, shouldn't feel be free you to use it. as the data. That should be you fixing the sure. people up. Yes. It, use it as a dating service, but not your personal dating service. Right, precisely. Good. That's that's some advice from us. Who are we kicking out? Um, I mean, you told me we can't kick Carl out yet, not for about another four or five years. Um, yeah. For me, this time, it is a toss-up between Daphne's grandpa slash fake grandpa, we don't know. And, I mean, they don't look alike or anything. Um, and Sarah like I do still feel like Sarah brings nothing to the table like there's nothing about her it's like um, maybe she was brought in as the irritant between Des and Daphne to either bring them together or move them apart like you know you need a bit of grit in an oyster to create the pearl but um, she hasn't really done that she doesn't contribute she's not friends with anyone she's not the confidant of anyone Um, she's not bad enough to be causing trouble like um barbara for example Mm. but she's not good enough to bring any like light-heartedness to any of the stories so i feel she's julie without any of the redeeming features she's just like i mean she's just she's just wallpaper annoying wallpaper she's anaglypta wallpaper um (laughs) or wood chip ceiling um air tech ceiling that needs to be scraped off is my in my harsh opinion Yes, I agree. I'm going to kick out Jim um, for continuing to disappoint me. This is personal. Um, Jim, when your nine-year-old daughter tells you that she is meeting up with a strange woman in the park, uh, do something about that. Um, and when, when she tells you, please listen to this terrifying tape that's upset me. Yeah, yeah, do something about that too. Um, when your mother-in-law tells you that she appreciates the offer but does not want to accept a substantial loan from you, do not go behind her back and gang up on her with someone you barely know um, in order to... Don't embezzle. Don't embezzle, Jim. No. No embezzle. not with someone with such questionable eyebrows. Yeah. Just boo, Jim. No. Well, that's all from us. Um, and yeah, we will see you next time for, I, I said this last time and I was wrong, but I think next time is going to be exciting. So fingers <laughs> crossed. And please do chat to us on Twitter and our Facebook group. Cause we really do love it when you get involved. We do. And, uh, yes. Also, um, leave us a, a review if you like, if you like us, if you don't, um, please do not leave us a review. We can't, we can't afford for you to tank our rating. Just, just like think it in your brain, um, and imagine you've left a bad review and, um, I will feel it somewhere in my soul. I'm, I'm quite sure. worried someone's going to say, um, I'm just leaving you a review with some things I think you could be including in your podcast. Here are my ideas. <laughs>
<laughs> you can have that for free. <laughs> See you next time. Bye. Leaving Erinsborough was hosted by Sarah Gibbs and Rachel Krieger. This episode was edited by John Gibbs. Our logo is by Hayley Charlesworth. Our theme song was mixed by Graham Rawson. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review wherever you get podcasts. Join us next time when we'll be discussing episodes 161 to 170.